welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. Uh, We're glad that you're with us and we're celebrating the 4th of July, our independence. And of course, happy Independence Day to you and your family and loved ones. And we hope that you're celebrating the 4th in a grand way this year. Uh, And in fact, uh, some celebrations have not been postponed. So you want to look in your local listings. There may be uh, some 4th of July celebrations, even though we have COVID-19. I heard in the Akron area there is going to be four different displays kind of spreading out the uh, fireworks display so that not everybody's gathered in one place, but they're going to have it four different locations. It'll be different this year, but I think it's going to be fun for a lot of people. So and again, when you're outside, and I uh, want to ask you and encourage you to do something, and that is to read the Declaration of Independence. Uh, of course, you can find it online, and you can print it out for family and friends, and sit around and read the Declaration of Independence. In the long household, we've done this over the years. Of course, we've had the kids reading the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, our founding documents, those freedom documents. In fact, uh, as it said, that the fireworks is in the documents. And of course, that's our great liberty that we have as a representative constitutional republic. In fact, it was John Adams who said about the 4th of July, I'm apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows of guns and games and sports and bells and bonfires and illuminations from the uh, from one end of the continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. Of course, John Adams, of course, was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. He was, of course, a Massachusetts man, and of course, in Boston, uh, John Adams was one of our founding fathers. And, of course, his cousin Sam Adams, of course, uh, the Sons of Liberty, and of uh, the, the what started there in Massachusetts, of course, spread throughout the colonies, and then it came to a place of irreconcilable differences. And that's what the Declaration of Independence is about, is that we are independent states, uh, separate from Great Britain, and in our 244th year of our constitutional form of government, as Benjamin Franklin was asked after leaving Constitutional Hall, after they had signed or ratified the Constitution, a lady asked him, what form of government do we have? He said, you have a republic, madam, if you can keep it. And here we are, 244 years later, celebrating this great American republic that is a light across the globe. People look to America. People are trying to get into this country, folks, not out of it. They all want to come to America because of the freedoms that we enjoy. With me on the phone is our good friend Matt Miller. He is the mayor of Ashland, Ohio. And uh, Matt's been a friend for many years and a good Christian man. And uh, of course, he loves this republic as well. Matt, welcome to the program. Yes, it's good to be with you. 
Well, thank you, sir. And uh, of course, I know in Ashland, I, in fact, I just spoke to a constitutional group down there in your neck of the woods last week, the Ashland Coalition, uh, Cody Ragel and Dennis Ragel, and they think very highly of you, of course, and I was able to speak to the folks at the Eagles Club. They meet every Wednesday there, and we were talking about policy issues and constitutional studies and having a grand time. Wonderful people there in Ashland, and, and of course, you're the mayor of the city. Your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you what, that is a great group that you were meeting with, and they are a group of individuals that have come together, created the organization from scratch. This is not affiliated with a particular political party, but instead a group of like-minded conservatives who want to defend the Constitution in our generation. So I'm so glad that you were able to talk with them, and we always appreciate the work they do here in our community. Well, that's right, and uh, they just uh, keep on going. I think been gathering for about 10 years now, and uh, they, of course, uh, have uh, some great things that they get involved with. I know they work with local veterans. Of course, they'll be out there registering people to vote during the, uh, you know, the uh, fair, the county fair, and those kinds of things, and so great group of people, and that's what really we see is a citizen, um, you know, citizens across the country that get involved in the local level and they really make the difference. Of course, you know, as the mayor of, uh, you know, the city of Ashland, it is uh, volunteerism that really makes the city go, isn't it, Mayor? It really is. And you know, one of the great things about the Declaration of Independence and reading it each Independence Day is it's a reminder that truly the power and authority in this country lie in the hands of individual citizens. And I know you're very familiar with the writings of Lexis de Tocqueville, and he said many times throughout his text, Democracy in America, that America's greatness stems from the fact that American citizens understand that it is their responsibility to solve their problems without the government getting involved. And so what better text to read now on July 4th as a reminder that the authority in this country truly does lie with us citizens, the individual voters. Well, that's right. And, you know, as we talk about uh, Massachusetts being the first colony, of course, that had conflict with Great Britain and, of course, the Boston Tea Party and then the Sons of Liberty. But not too far from Boston, of course, is Plymouth, Massachusetts, Plymouth Rock, where the Pilgrims landed. And this year we're celebrating the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrims landing and our annual Freedom Banquet, which is coming up on July the 23rd at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton. And you can register for the Freedom Banquet on our website at ohioca.org or just Google the Ohio Christian Alliance. And on the web page, right on the top, is the uh, Freedom Banquet. And we're featuring this year the Plymouth Rock Foundation. This is the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrims Landing in Plymouth Rock. And of course, they came for religious freedom. So we're talking about our religious heritage as a country. And as these uh, these Christians came to the new land and settled among uh, the Native Americans and, and befriended them and actually had a brotherhood with them and shared the gospel with them and had all things in common, uh, this is a great heritage, and we're celebrating it. So we're bringing in pastor and historian and author Paul Jaley. He actually pastors a church up there in uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts. My wife and I have had the privilege of going to Plymouth in the last few years, taking the tours of Plymouth 
Plymouth. And, of course, uh, the Founding Fathers uh, Monument is there on the top of the bluff that was actually dedicated uh, uh, early last century and uh, when uh, President Coolidge was uh, president. And people have forgotten about this monument, but it talks about our spiritual heritage. It talks about our Christian founding as a nation. And it's a, it's a great way to really understand who we are uh, as an American republic and, and the importance of Christianity played in the founding of this nation as we are a Judean Christian culture. And folks, we need to be reminded of that. So our Freedom Banquet is July 23rd at the uh, Akron Fairlawn Hilton. We'll have other special guests. In fact, uh, Matt will be our MC for the night. His lovely wife, Melanie, will also be giving uh, special songs in presentation, uh, uh, basically patriotic songs for the evening, and then, of course, a presentation by pastor and historian Paul Jaley. As we can't bring you to Plymouth, Massachusetts this year as the festivities have been postponed because of COVID-19, but we can bring bring Plymouth to you, and that's what we're doing at this year's Freedom Banquet. Again, that is Thursday, uh, July 20, uh, J- July uh, 23rd, yes. And again, you can register at our website at ohioca.org. Well, Matt, we're going to turn and we're going to do just what we've talked about. We're going to read the Declaration of Independence, and and folks, it's going to go over the airwaves here. So if you're reading along with us, you can join us as we're going to go ahead and read the Declaration of Independence. Ready, Matt? I am ready. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station of which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a descent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the cause which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute a new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses, usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain, in a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment 
of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance, unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained, and when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such disillusions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers, incapable of annihilation, have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasions from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states, for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of land. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has affected to render the military independent and of the superior to the civil power. And has com- he has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and acknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation. For quartering large bodies of armed troops among us. For protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states. For cutting off our trade with all parts of the world. For imposing taxes on us without our consent. For depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury. For transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses. For abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government, and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies. For taking away our charters, abolishing our most voluble laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments. For suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, 
ravaged our coasts, burned out our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the work of death, desolation, and tyranny already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy, scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy of the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens, taken captive on the high seas, to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections among us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarnable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would invariably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and of our consanguinity. We must therefore acquiesce in necessity, which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. That they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved and that as a free and independent state's They have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we We mutually pledge pledge to each other other our lives, our fortunes, fortunes, and And our our sacred sacred honor. honor. Isn't that powerful? Oh, man, that is the Declaration of Independence. I can hear the fireworks going off, Mayor. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Chris, and as we read this, we know that there's a lot of unrest all across America today, even across our own state of Ohio and our local communities. And the thing we need to remind ourselves is, from day one, when the Founding Fathers introduced this piece of powerful text to the world, they were declaring that they were going to put together a nation that would seek to do right and good. Did we always get it right in our history? No, we did not. But the bottom line is this document 
pointed our compass in the right direction, and off we went. And here, 244 years later, arguably, we are still the greatest country on the face of the earth. On July 3rd, 1776, John Adams writes to his wonderful wife, Abigail Adams, and at the close of that letter, he, he tells her, of course, about the great accomplishment of the Declaration of Independence. But he writes this, You will think me transported with enthusiasm, but I am not. I am well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and support the defense of these states. Yet through all the gloom I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see the end is more than worth all the means, and the posterity will triumph in the day's transaction, even although we should rue it, which I trust God we shall not. Wow, it is powerful, and you think about it. Uh, when they were writing this text, when they were signing this document, little did they know that the future would hold generation after generation of Americans who, in the time of need, would have to stand up and defend this freedom, whether it was here on our own soils or whether it was around the world. And it's, it's very powerful to consider that when they applied their signature and recognized at that point what it could mean for them, the sacrifice it could mean for them, little did they know generations would follow in their footsteps. And quite honestly, Chris Long, when I think about you and I think about the work of the Ohio Christian Alliance, we may not be fighting on a battlefield today for the heart of America. We may not be fighting on a battlefield for the freedoms that were sought through this document and through these founders, but we're still fighting on a battlefield. It's a cultural war, and thank God there are still men and women who are willing to stand up for truth and willing to stand up for these precious freedoms. Amen. Well, thank you, Mayor. Thank you for coming on and joining me in reading this Declaration of Independence, and I want to close with this quote. Posterity, you will never know how much it has cost my generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make good use of it. John Adams. Well, with that, folks, we're going to close it out with God bless America. Mayor, thank you so much. We'll see you on the 23rd, my friend, at the Freedom Banquet. We look forward to it. Thank you, Chris. Happy 4th to you and all the good people of Ashland, Ohio.
Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We have a very important program today to talk about what's happening in Columbus, our state capital, and specifically at the People's House, the Ohio State House. I want to read to you a statement we released on Friday uh, to the public and to Governor DeWine. It reads, Destruction at the Ohio State House. Governor DeWine, we urge you to protect the People's House. For the second time in three weeks, the Ohio State House fell victim to extensive vandalism as protesting vandals, anarchists, Yesterday, that was last Thursday, in broad daylight to face much of the State House grounds, including the Ohio State motto, emblem, the war memorials, the Holocaust memorial, and the steps and pillars at the Ohio State House. OCA has learned through a 911 call recording that the Columbus Police Department released was aware of the protest and the stopping of traffic on High Street, but was uh, what you will hear in the audio. As the officer tells the man who's in the car who's being stopped that uh, they can do nothing for him because Columbus Mayor Andrew Ginter had told the police to stand down. Let's listen to that 911 call now. Columbus Police, Tech 27. Yes, yeah, so I, uh, I got traffic being stopped and impeded on, uh, on I Street by a bunch of people that are parking their cars sideways and, and having a party. Where is it at? It's on High Street. 
Right around Broad Street. Okay, yeah, it's going to be out of the protest downtown. I'll let them know, but... That's a protest? They're, they're, they're riding their, mic, their motorcycles popping wheelies and... Yep, we were, told, okay. we were told by our mayor to stand down, so the mayor has given them full reins of the streets. You've got to be kidding me. Nope, we were told to stand down, so um, I could give you the telephone number for the mayor's hotline if you'd like. Oh, that's what I need. That's what I need. Okay, hold on what one second. Sorry, give me one second here. It's going to be 614-645-1000. Eight nine. Two four eight nine. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye bye. All right. At the same time of this nine one one call, uh, protesters then, according to Highway Patrol, rushed the building, meaning the Ohio State House, with buckets of red paint defacing the war memorials, the Ohio State Model Seal, State House steps, and pillars and building with graffiti and red paint. This is my statement that I released um, last week. These are distressing, distressing times when we are witnessing the defacing of the seats of government. For nearly two decades, it has been my honor to represent the faith community to address public policy issues at the Ohio uh, State House. In 163 years of the existence of the Ohio State House, this level of vandalism has never occurred. This is a watershed moment. We are a nation of laws. And what is being displayed before the people of Ohio at this time is a breakdown of law and order. I want to go back to the 911 call for a second. And that was actually um, confirmed today through sources uh, related to the police department in Columbus that indeed the mayor had a stand-down order concerning the protesters. And that has led to this anarchy. With us on the phone is State um, Householder, uh, State Speaker of the House Larry Householder, and uh, I want to commend him because he is only one of the few voices who have actually spoken up against this um, vandalism at the State House. Mr. Speaker, welcome to the program. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good. Good, Mr. Speaker. And thank you for what you're doing and speaking out about this. We appreciate it very much. Well, it's good to be on, and uh, I wish it was under better circumstances. Uh, it's just ridiculous what's going on at our Ohio Capitol. Um, you know, there's when you talk about protecting taxpayers' uh, wallets, it's not only about what you spend, it's also how you take care of what you've spent. And uh, there's an obligation there to be able to take care of, uh, make sure that uh, government property is protected and that it's being looked out for. And uh, as I had said to uh, the city of Columbus, um, you know, it's an honor for the city of Columbus to serve as the capital of the state of Ohio, and you have to have respect for the property that the citizens of the state of Ohio spent to, to put there. Wow, that, you know, that's important that you note that. And we've never seen this before. As I've looked back through uh, the historical records of the Ohio State House, it's 163 years it stood. In fact, it actually housed Civil War Union troops during the Civil War. That building actually played host to Abraham Lincoln when he was coming through, uh, when he was going to serve as president, and then again as his caisson came back after the uh, assassinated president uh, did actually come through Columbus and lay, lay in state and the rotunda. That historic state house and those regal hallways has been my pleasure 
uh, to be able to walk those halls, to represent people of faith, as I said in my statement, uh, to talk to uh, representatives and those who serve us, the public trust. And at times we win, sometimes we lose, but it's always a proper civil discourse on public policy. And uh, Mr. Speaker, I know that you've served for many years. This is actually your second round of service at the Ohio State House. I know that means a lot to you as well. And uh, I know that uh, this actually had to be like a kick in the gut to you when you saw the vandalism at the State House. No, it absolutely broke my heart. And, uh, you know, no one can condone the actions that were taken in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but those actions weren't in Ohio. And quite frankly, uh, there's the the rally cry of Black Lives Matter and, and Antifa, as well as others, is that, uh, you know, they they want to check on police officers and things like that. Well, the state of Ohio doesn't employ any police officers. Uh, this is purely just an attack on our government and our way of life and the things that we believe in. Uh, it's very clear that's what this is and they're using the other as an excuse. Well, we did see these protests that broke out across the country, and again, after the video uh, went um, you know, viral. And of course, people were outraged by what they saw, and there were peaceful protests that were assembled. But then something more happened. Uh, as the protests then at night became, be, became rioting, and then something more, actual anarchists, in the streets of America, and now in Ohio, in Cleveland, in Cincinnati, in Columbus. There was a representative, uh, actually he is a uh, city councilman, uh, African-American city councilman in Cincinnati. He's on a video, he's weeping. He said they're putting bricks in hands of children to throw at stores and to create anarchy in the streets. And he says, uh, so they're actually militarizing our youth on the streets, and they're paying them, and they're giving them bricks to throw out. Well, who were these people? Well, these were well-organized anarchists, part of Antifa. And this has been researched when we're tracking this, and this actually took place in Columbus. Now, I've got black pastor friends who were on the streets uh, witnessing, and they said, Chris, this was not indigenous. These aren't people weren't from Columbus. Uh, this is not our community. And these people were here to create problems and chaos. Well, Mr. Speaker, I want to go back to May 28th, because that was the first night where violence actually broke out in downtown Columbus, which was a first uh, for that city. Uh, we go back 50 years ago. You and I have lived long enough. We remember the race riots of the late 1960s. And basically, those were in cities like Cleveland or Canton or Youngstown or Cincinnati, Columbus at that time was more of a, well, it was more of a rural, it was our state capital, and it just didn't seem to have that kind of activity as those other bigger, big urban centers did back in the 60s. But now Columbus is the biggest city in Ohio, and so it is the, it is the biggest city. And so now we're seeing big city problems in Columbus, but something happened differently. Walk us back through what happened as the protesters, then rioters, were uh moved down the streets, and then something happened to where the police moved them towards the state house grounds. Take us through that. Well, when you, when you see any other city in the country, uh, the beef of the protesters is with the city government because they're the ones that employ the police officers that are in question. And so what you've seen in every city in the United States, every urban city in the United States, you've seen uh, 
protesters go to City Hall. You've seen them protest at the uh, city police department. Um, in Columbus, what happened, uh, Governor DeWine, uh, when Governor DeWine was approached about what we were going to do at the Capitol, he said the Columbus Police Department have it at, at hand. Well, what we watched was as the protesters started to move down towards City Hall, like they have in every single city, um, the, they were stopped by the Columbus Police Department. And so they turned and they came back over onto Broad Street. And as they walked down Broad Street, uh, they were stopped again at Broad and Third. They came back down Broad Street and turned onto High, and they were stopped between on High Street, between Broad and State Street. Is where they were stopped by the Columbus Police Department, sort of wedged in on Broad Street, between Broad Street and State Street. Well, <laughs> that's all state property. You know, you have the State House to the west, you have the Rice Center to the east. Um, it's, uh, or excuse me, backwards, it's the State House to the east and the, and the Rice Center to the west, and the Supreme Court building behind that, and of course the Rhodes Tower right there to the north. Everything right there is state property. And I really believe that Columbus made a decision, the city of Columbus made a decision, that if anything was going to get torn up, it was going to be state property, not city or county property. And that's exactly what happened, Chris. When the tear gas came out and they tried to push the crowd, they ran into the state, over to the state house ground and actually busted into the state house. And we had rioters inside our Ohio state house. They busted out windows. They painted all over everything. Uh, the marble um, uh, marble uh, seating areas that they had on the state house grounds, they busted those. Um, it was just total chaos. And um, I do believe the city of Columbus made a decision that they didn't want any damages to city property or to county property, and they directed them onto state property. Well, that was alarming, and we saw some of the videos, and there's a lot of questions that people have uh, about this because uh, the videos were basically by handheld cell phones. It wasn't by the cameras that are on Statehouse grounds, uh, but we did see what was basically not just – these aren't protesters at this point. These, these are anarchists who went up to the State House building and began – busting out windows, breaking down the door. There was a handful of highway patrolmen on guard that night, and that's another question that needs to be answered, Mr. Speaker. Why were they undermanned knowing that protests could break out at any time? Uh, they were caught off guard. I think that you know the um, leadership and highway patrol, or maybe the governor's office, needs to address that issue. That's on May 28th. Uh, we'll get to what happened last Thursday, why it happened again. That's even more uh, unbelievable. But that night, I'm sure as they entered the building, uh, and it was mayhem from what we're told, and the, uh, you know, the security on hand had to basically uh, threaten with force, uh, and then you see them piling out of the building. So we do understand that one person came through the ceremonial office of the, the uh, auditor's office and cut themselves on glass because there was blood all over. We understand that arrests were made. But then I have to tell the folks right now, do I understand that the city prosecutor has dropped all charges of those who were arrested for those night, that night activity on May 28th? Is that what you understand? So what, what I was told, my understanding through our sergeant of arms, was that there were arrests made that evening by the highway patrol and that 
the city prosecutor did not prosecute. And, um, and, and I, of course, you know, I went on Facebook and I made that be known that, you know, uh, if, if they're going to make these arrests, you have to prosecute. If you're not going to prosecute, uh, then there's no point even making the arrest. And frankly, you're just putting your officers in harm's way for, for nothing. Uh, because at the end of the day, there's, there's no charges being filed. Um, I also let it be known that as I was trying to think of ways to possibly uh, hold Columbus accountable, the only thing I could think of, uh, frankly, Chris, was local government funds. Those tax dollars that we give to local governments uh, clear across the state of Ohio, Columbus gets their share of that as well. And uh, I'm going to take a look at the damages that were caused to the state house, the Rice Center, if there was any to the Rose Tower, certainly there was to the Supreme Court. And those damages need to be deducted. The cost of those damages need to be deducted from their local government funds, the city of Columbus. If they're not going to protect the citizens and the property of the state of Ohio, then they don't deserve to have those funds because they're not using them properly. Well said. Let's go to an audio clip from ABC Channel 6 in Columbus last night talking about the expense of the damages downtown into the state house. Let's go to that. Jeff, the downtown protests now costing the city millions of dollars. Just the price tag for police, emergency crews, and the cleanup crews. Alexis Moberger is on your side breaking down those numbers. Since the start of the protests, Columbus Fire has racked up more than $200,000 in overtime. And Columbus police have spent about $2.7 million on OT. Public service costs, including trash, street cleanup, and traffic management, total about $142,000. When it comes to state house repairs, the original estimate was about $200,000. We're still trying to assess what those costs are. We still are waiting for a couple quotes. Laura Batacletti with Capital Square Review and Advisory Board says the total cost may end up being lower than that. But as far as footing the bill, yeah, the taxpayers will pay for this. So far, it's cost about $15,000 to replace the state house window panes. The lanterns that are outside, um, those are a, a definite custom glass. That will be more than probably. State House officials tell me the costs really start to add up. For example, they now have to replace about 50 of these durable trash cans, each one of them costing about $1,000, and of course, then bringing that total to about $50,000. Clearly, every day we're adding to those costs because of, of needing to repair the graffiti and the damage every day. Quality masonry company out of Marion has spent the last five days scrubbing the State House steps washing away the red handprints. Batacletti says they're expecting to get that bill by Wednesday. Well, we've already paid $12,000 to them. This is going to be much more than that. But as the protests continue, city officials predict the price tag will continue to grow. Alexis Moberger, ABC6 News. Republican House Speaker Larry Householder is furious about the damage at the State House. He's calling on the city of Columbus to pay for all damage and threatening to take that money out of the city's state funding. So your message, Mr. Speaker, certainly got out and Channel 6 reported. I want to go on with a statement that I made last Friday and I called upon the governor. I said we have been in contact with dozens of Ohioans over the last few weeks who are alarmed and troubled by what they see at our state's capital. 
We are calling on Governor DeWine to take action. It is your duty, Governor, to protect the people's house and the citizenry. You have at your command two policing authorities, the State Highway Patrol and the Ohio National Guard. As you have often said in your daily press briefings, the buck stops with you. Therefore, we call upon you to take action. Please protect the people's house, the seat of our state government. We as the people of faith will continue to pray for peace and civility to prevail throughout our state and nation. Well, the governor did put out a uh, statement last Friday, and he said that I have spoken with Ohio State Patrol uh, and the security around the state, about the security at the state house, and I shared with him my anger and disgust at the vandalism that occurred there yesterday. I support the right of to peacefully protest. However, defacing, damaging, and vandalizing our state capitol and its grounds are wrong, and such actions are criminal. The Ohio State Highway Patrol is conducting a criminal investigation into uh, last Thursday's uh, acts of vandalism, and they will send their findings to the appropriate authorities for potential prosecution. Well, I think what bothers people there, Mr. Speaker, is potential prosecution. So your thoughts? Right. That is exactly right. Uh, and, you know, the city uh, city prosecutor, uh, uh, Zach Klein, has uh, has said to me uh, he was upset about my Facebook uh, social media uh, posts. Uh, he said that they weren't accurate. And, uh, and my response is this. We'll find out. Don't, don't worry yourself with it. We'll find out. We'll, we'll have a committee, and we have subpoena power, and we'll bring in people, and we'll get to the bottom of it, and we'll find out what elected officials don't think it's important to protect taxpayers' property, Amen. and we'll let that be known. And if there well, needs to be some legislation, we've, we've also looked at possible legislation where uh, we would uh, take the authority away from the city prosecutor and give it to the attorney general of the state of Ohio for prosecutions downtown Columbus. And frankly, Chris, uh, this will alarm people, but I've also looked at the possibility of taking uh, the properties that are owned in downtown Columbus and, frankly, setting up uh, some something like the District of Columbia is so we don't have to deal with this down the road because it's important for government to operate and continue to operate no matter if anarchists are taking over a city or not, no matter if a mayor allows them to take over a city. Um, it has to operate, and uh, we owe that to the people of this state, and I won't rest until we make certain that uh, the people of Ohio are taken, taken care of and the government's able to function properly for them. We're talking to Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder, uh, who has been the strongest voice in uh, talking about security at the State House. And, Mr. Speaker, I want to tell you that a lot of people really are applauding you and thanking you for taking a stand. And I think that holding hearings is appropriate at this point. There are some questions that need to be answered. We certainly support our law enforcement. I have and hold the, the Highway Patrol in high regard, but they also have to answer some questions as exactly what happened here, because the second time in three weeks where vandals rushed the State House grounds, uh, and of course they received no help from uh, Columbus police as they were in a stand down, and to, uh, to, to basically to speak on their behalf, when their boss, the mayor, tells them to stand down, their hands are tied. So, you know, the citizens. Well, I, I just would like to get, I would like to get to the bottom of. What orders did the Highway Patrol receive, and who did they receive them from, and what orders did the Columbus Police Department receive, and who did they receive them from? I want to get to the bottom of that. 
because uh, let me tell you, Chris, you know, I, I raised a large family. And the one thing that I know, I've got a lot. My, my kids are great kids. Uh, but if I just let them do whatever they wanted to do, it would get worse and worse and worse. And that was the message that was being sent in Columbus. Uh, you know, when they rushed the state house and busted out all the windows and no one did anything about it. Well, guess what? It got worse. Every night it got worse and worse. Yes. And, you know, just last uh, this past weekend, I think it was Friday night, uh, there was racing in the streets. Uh, they closed off broad and high. Uh, the streets on Broad and High, which happened to be, you know, U.S. for uh, State Route 40 and State Route 23 as well. And there were actually shots fired at troopers uh, on passing by automobiles. Uh, that if you don't if you don't stand up and stop this stuff, it's going to get worse and worse. And it's 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 just horrific what's going on in downtown Columbus. Well, we're with you, Mr. Speaker, and I'm going to be reaching out to a lot of policy groups who have with me, gone to the State House over the years and met with representatives. And you, like you said, in a uh, representative republic where the citizens have uh, the right to peaceably assemble and to uh, petition their government, if we can't do that in security and safety at the People's House, we're in real trouble as a state. And I want to thank you for Absolutely. taking a stand. So we'll be looking you, for Chris. those hearings, and uh, we'll actually direct people to... Uh, but pay attention. We'll make sure the folks know. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Again, that's uh, Speaker of the Ohio House, uh, Mr. Larry Householder. And again, uh, folks, this is the time to pray. This is the time to pay attention. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.